0: A Spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and life. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm very pleased to be joined by Sean Trendy, who is Senior Elections Analyst at Real Clear Politics. And we're going to be talking about the upcoming midterms. Now, Sean, for the last couple of years, really, the sort of consensus view has been that the Republicans are going to have a very good time in the midterms, that there's going to be a red wave and so on. But in the last few weeks, and this has largely been attributed to President Joe Biden's hot streak, in quote marks, a reverse consensus has appeared, which is that the Democrats are going to do a lot better than expected. Is that a fair summary of of sort of where opinion is?
1: Yeah, I think that's certainly a fair summary of where kind of elite consensus opinion on this is right now, that maybe, you know, a year ago, we were looking at Democrats losing four, or maybe five seats in the Senate, you know, 30 to 40 in the House of Representatives. You know, the Senate is our upper chamber, which we elect here uh, on a statewide basis. So, yeah, th- th- that was the consensus. And over the course of the summer, things have started to look quite a bit better for the Democrats. Their polling has improved. So people th- seem to have dialed back expectations somewhat.
0: A lot of the talk about this Democratic blue wave against the Republican red wave has been not just about Joe Biden doing slightly better than he has been, but also about Dobbs and the overturning of Roe v. Wade and that abortion is a big mobilizing factor for the Democratic Party. How true is that?
1: Well, I think to the extent that things have improved for Democrats, that that was a big one. One of the reasons in the United States, the out party, that is the Party that opposes the president tends to do well is that the end party gets complacent, they're governing, they're usually a little bit disappointed because America's a hard country to govern, and so they don't get all they want. So their enthusiasm is down and they don't vote as frequently. And Dobbs' decision does seem to have reversed that somewhat. You know, all of a sudden, Democrats, particularly more liberal suburban women, find something worth fighting for in the midterms. And you can see it in a whole bunch of, of indicators, things improving for the Democratic Party. The question is, you know, does this shift us from a red wave to a good Republican year? Or does it shift us from a red wave to a Democratic year? Now, I'm more sympathetic to the former view, but that's kind of where the debate is right now.
0: And I suppose the, the biggest factor usually in elections is the economy, which has been very favourable to the out-party, to the Republicans, so far this year. But perhaps there were indications that the economy might be improving, that inflation was going to come down or start coming down, and that was given a bit of a knock last week. So perhaps you could say that Republicans still have a pretty big advantage when it comes to the economy, which is the, the big issue of the time.
1: You know, there's no doubt the economy isn't good right now. It, well, it's a weird economy, right? Inflation is out of control, but it does seem to still be growing somewhat. And, you know, we aren't hemorrhaging jobs like you typically do in a recession, although that's usually the last thing that happens in a recession is the jobs start to fall off. It's a trailing indicator. But I think, you know, the inflation year over year is very high, but month over month has seemed to have leveled off. So people aren't getting the sticker. It's still expensive when you go to the grocery store, but you aren't getting the sticker shock the month to month. I think the biggest thing, though, has been that uh, the prices of gasoline have fallen. You know, we were up at, you know, people were talking about six dollars. And this is going to sound downright quaint uh, (laughs) to people in the UK. But we're talking about six dollar a gallon gas in the summer. And, you know, we don't tax gas very heavily here, but that's still quite expensive by American standards. It's dropped off to, you know, in the mid threes, which is still historically high. But again, to someone who just goes every day and looks at the prices, it does seem to be getting better. So that certainly certainly helped Biden as well.
0: And do you think things like these big legislative wins that Biden has had, the Inflation Reduction Act, perhaps dubiously named Inflation Reduction Act, (laughs) and then um, the uh, debt relief for students. Are those wins being, can you see that affecting the polls?
1: Well, I think so as well. Democrats were very disappointed and disheartened by the Biden administration's progress on issues. You know, basically, there was an infrastructure bill in early 2021, as well as a stimulus COVID relief package, which is part of why we have the runaway inflation right now, and then not much happens. So the fact that over the summer he's managed to pass the large, as you say, dubiously titled Inflation Reduction Act, then he turned around and whatever inflation reduction savings were contained in that act, he turned around and spent it on student debt relief. But for Democrats, they see it as winning. And so that's probably along with Dobbs given a boost to Democratic base enthusiasm and uh, improve the position of the party.
0: And another factor we should talk about in terms of motivating Democrats to vote is the spectre of Trump's return in 2024, which I think the Democrats certainly feel is a big driver for them. Do you think it's true that as Trump reappears on the scene with a possible view to running in 2024, that mobilizes large sections of the population who might not otherwise be that motivated to vote?
1: Yeah, I think that does mobilized Democrats somewhat as well. It's really just this confluence of factors at a a very fortuitous time for the Democratic Party. The fact that, you know, Donald Trump has been more vocal in the news, the fact that, you know, we had the January 6th hearings over the summer and then his home got raided by the FBI. That's all part of trying to turn this—our elections in America are typically referenda on the party that holds the presidency, and what Democrats are trying to do right now is turn it into another choice election between Joe Biden's Democratic Party and Donald Trump's Republican Party. And I think they've succeeded somewhat, and that's, that's why things have improved, although, again, whether that's able to be sustained is another question.
0: Well, that explains that uh, extraordinary speech in Pennsylvania that Joe Biden gave, which with the sort of red backlighting, the sort of faint military echoes, people called it a furor speech, right wingers said that anyway. Do you think that message is working for the Democrats that MAGA Republicans are extremists or is it foolish of the Democrats to try and sort of lump a huge section of the American population altogether as the sort of undesirables?
1: I'm less convinced, you know, I, I think in this conversation, I've pretty been fairly generous to things, you know, democratic strategy and what's been going on. I'm, I'm fairly skeptical, though, about the utility of that approach. I, I think most Americans views after him being on the scene for the political scene for almost a decade now, most Americans views of Donald Trump and the Republican Party are pretty well set in stone. And so calling Republicans, you know, Dangers and and Nazis and all these other things that are getting thrown around. You know, Joe Biden's been more measured than other members of his party. I think the base that has decided that's what they are already has decided. And those people are going to vote anyway. If anything it risks a bit of a backlash, like we saw with his speech, where people on the other side who are suddenly being called Nazis and see this kind of military militaristic background with the red color get nervous and they decide they have to vote. So that I'm less skeptical is a is a useful motivator for Democrats.
0: A big imponderable is the Hispanic vote, the Latino voters, which we as we've understood, they have been drifting towards the Republicans. Do you think Republicans have perhaps exaggerated the extent to which they're winning over the Latino vote? And that the shift in polls is is that perhaps the polls are getting more accurate at picking up where the Latino vote is
1: yeah, I think Hispanic Latino voters in the United States are still a Democratic constituency. What's happened in the last few years? If you go back twenty years ago, Hispanics voted Democrat, pretty much regardless of ideology. You know, cons- Democrats were winning about half of self-described conservative Democrats, and in the last decade or so, they've lost that advantage. Now, moderate and liberal. Hispanics still vote Democrat, and there's more of them than there are conservative Hispanics. So I think Republicans are probably getting towards the maximum of what they can expect. But still, if Republicans get to a point where they're regularly winning 35 percent, you know, maybe 40 percent in a good year of the Hispanic vote, that really hurts Democratic prospects in a lot of states that they thought were trending their way.
0: Can you point towards some key races, key seats, key battlegrounds that you think will tell us a lot about where the both parties are in the midterms?
1: Yeah, so probably the, you know, for people who aren't terribly fluent on American political geography, which is no slam on your audience, (laughs) uh, most Americans aren't fluent in American political geography. the, The best indicator is going to be the Senate races, as i mentioned we elect our senators on a statewide basis every every state gets two senators and we elect them for staggered six year terms so people aren't the, the whole body is not up at once a third of the body is up every 2 years there are a couple key races probably the closest races right now would be the wisconsin senate race where ron johnson is a two term incumbent who has a history of making kind of extremist statements in a state that's really 50-50 divided red and blue. He's in a tough race against the lieutenant governor there. Georgia, where Raphael Warnock was elected narrowly in a special election. He's running for a full term now. And he's running against Herschel Walker, who is a, a former... Georgia college football standout, who is beloved by swaths of the state, but who has, you know, not appeared to be quite up to par when it comes to speaking about issues. That's an interesting race because it's a closed state and it features, you know, two African-American candidates potentially deciding the future of the Senate. And then Pennsylvania, where there's an open Senate seat. This is another state that is constantly right at the middle of American politics. John Fetterman. He's a lieutenant governor who has kind of blue collar bona fides, although he had a, a severe stroke and no one's quite sure about his health status. He's running against Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, as he's referred to, whose most famous claim, biggest claim to fame is being a guest on the Oprah Winfrey show, <laughs> a recurring guest, and apparently doesn't even live in Pennsylvania. So that that's another race where I think that's probably where the battle We'll know a lot about the general status of American politics, given how those three races go.
0: It's interesting hearing you talk about those races because you talked about figures who are quite, well, Trumpy in a way. I mean, they're not uh, machine politicians, are they? I mean, Herschel Walker certainly isn't. Fetterman is certainly not on the Democrat side. And then Mehmet is this sort of celebrity guy. He's very much Trumpy, not in the sense of ideology, but in the sense of being a a famous person with TV appeal.
1: Yeah, there, there does seem to be... You know, part of this is the internet and there's a long, you can see a long development in America if you go back far enough with these kind of celebrity candidates. I mean, Barack Obama was a celebrity candidate. Mm. I mean, he turned out, regardless of how you feel about his presidency, I think he was an effective president and he was certainly a serious president. You know, Donald Trump, perhaps less so. And so I think you're seeing this celebritification, if that's even a word, of American politics where... You know, even John Fetterman had a bit of a personality cult on the Internet. The progressives online liked him. He had a, a kind of workmanlike primary opponent in America. We don't select our nominees through appointment or party lists. They they have to first win a, a primary election. And so Fetterman trounced Connor Lamb, who was his more kind of workmanlike, non-traditional opponent. So I, I think American politics is changing and perhaps not for the better, in that regard.
0: One issue that I'd be interested to know what you think the polling suggests is the 2020 election and the controversy around it. For me, it would seem odd if it's a motivating factor for Republicans, because if you start to think that the whole thing's rigged anyway, as a lot of Republicans seem to do, what's the point in voting? Or does it in fact, in some perverse way, incentivize voting? And then on the other hand, the Republican Party message seems to be we just want fairer elections, and that's quite a good slogan or, or campaign for them. How do you see this question playing out in the midterms?
1: Well, it's a good question. I think the the general consensus, I mentioned that Raphael Warnock in Georgia won a special election, and now he's seeking a, a full term, but the thought was that part of the reason that he was able to win that election, along with another senator, after... Trailing in the first round of voting is exactly because of the 2020 election, with Donald Trump parading around the state saying the vote was stolen. I won this; they wasted your votes. That a lot of people thought exactly what you suggested. Well, what's the point of even voting in these runoffs? And so Georgia produces its first two Democratic senators in in decades. I don't know how that plays in 2022. You know, I, I think the Republican kind of professional machine politicians have tried to figure out a way to channel this anger into a more positive message, as you suggest, that we want fair elections. And that's less what's the point. But it's a real question of whether that continued, the election was stolen, depresses Republican turnout in this election.
0: Yes. And are there any gubernatorial uh, races for governor that we should be watching out for in particular? You know,
1: I, I think the... Key races this time around. Well, there's maybe two buckets. So there's the more traditional races: Tony Evers in Wisconsin, a swing state; the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, who is kind of controversial for her COVID policies, another swing state. But then there's this other bucket of races where you know the the Trump administration's claims about the election are front and center. So you have the Arizona governor election, where Kerry Lake has been a full-throated supporter of the claim that the election was stolen. And you have the gubernatorial election in Georgia, which is sort of the opposite, where Brian Kemp has gone all in on, no, Trump lost fair and square. This was a close election, and it just didn't go our way. So we'll see how those two competing messages turn out. And I think those two gubernatorial races are the most interesting.
0: You talked earlier about sort of fortuitous confluence of things, factors that have helped the Democrats, fortuitous for the Democrats. I wonder if perhaps it's actually good news for the Republicans because the you know elite wisdom is always wrong and elite wisdom was that the Republicans were going to have a kind of blowout, the Democrats were going to get shellacked and so on for so long that actually a bit of complacency might have crept into the Republican side, which, which now is not there. I mean, could it be that actually the timing of this Democratic blue wave is quite good in a way.
1: You know, this is something that we debate all the time, you know, whether polls and poll forecasting can suppress the Democratic or the Republican base. You know, there was a claim in 2016 that part of why Trump won was everyone was telling the Democrats, you know, you got this, Hillary's going to win. So why people thought, why turn out? There's anecdotal evidence for it, but it's not really clear that there's any quantitative or kind of scientific support for that claim. that That's one of those things where we have to kind of look at it and shrug and say maybe, you know, but all things being equal, I, I think Republican strategists at least would rather be up, you know, five, ten points in the polls at this point than, than neck and neck, hoping that those close polls motivate the
0: base. And finally, Sean, I don't want to make you do a prediction if you don't want to, but could you give me a sense of what you're expecting in the midterms at this moment? Yeah, I, I still think...
1: The Republicans are likely to have a, a good, if not spectacular, year. I think probably one or two Senate seats, which is enough for them to take narrow control of that chamber, and 20 House seats, maybe, which again would get them a fairly thin margin in that chamber. But there's enough uncertainty right now that we still could have a very good Republican year or a good enough Democratic year for them to hold the Senate. So I I will put my wishy-washy caveat there, but I I think in general it'll be a good but not spectacular Republican year.
0: I don't don't think that was wishy-washy at all. Thank you very much, Sean. I do hope we'll get you on again before the midterms, if you'd be so kind. Happy to do it. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of Americano. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating, preferably five stars, and a review.